y'all doing today? Come on, what a great day to be together. Praise the Lord. If you're new to our church, you might realize we clap a lot. That's because we have joy in this house. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Not I was glad when it was over. Come on, somebody. We like to clap a lot. But hey, uh, especially want to give a shout out to everyone who's new with us today, first time here ever, or first time back in a long time, as well as those joining us online. Can we give it up for our guests today, everybody? We're glad you're here. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for being a part of our church today. Like Pastor Bo said, if you would text the letters uh, LPC to that number 31996, we'll follow up with you with some simple next steps. My name is Mike. I get to serve here as lead pastor of our church. I want to thank you for being just an awesome church. I want to encourage all of you to get connected to a small group. It is truly the best thing we do. I don't think Christianity is meant to be a Lone Ranger faith. It is something that we are to do in life with others. And so our, pa- our small group's pastor, Pastor Willie, says that the smallest small group is you and a who. So if it's you and a spouse, you and a friend from work, a colleague or a neighbor, get in conversations. The Bible says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so do we sharpen one another. So Sundays may be the biggest thing we do, but the best thing we do is life in small groups. And I can truly just tell you, like, it's part of God's will for your life to have other men pouring into your life, fellas, ladies, for other women to be pouring into your life and you into them. It's just a big part of the Christian experience. And I want to encourage that for you. We've got everything, hopefully, that you need to either host a group or participate in one on our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Also, thank you again for being a generous church. I've challenged us in this last quarter of 2021. Ask the Lord, what's the next step for you in this area of generosity? I know it sounds a little, um, maybe a little formulaic, but I, I think generosity is part of the nature of God. In fact, everything he does is motivated by a generous heart towards us. And I think part of being generous is being godly and being godlike. So think about where you're at in your generosity. If you've never given to the Lord ever, like, you know, the scripture shows us over and over again that it's the people of God who give for the house of God, right? If you've never done that, I want to encourage you to take a first step and be generous to the Lord. If you've done that, maybe periodically you give here and there or whatever through the church, I want to encourage you to become a regular giver. How many of you know it's good to be regular? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. That's an old guy joke right there. Uh, It is good to be regular. Put it on your calendar. Put it on your budget. Make it a regular part of the rhythm of your life. Third, I think the the, the next step for the Christian should be a tithe. And the scripture shows us over and over again that the first tenth portion of of what the Lord gives us, we bring to him as a gift of thanks, as an offering of worship. It's not a bill. It's not a due to belong here. It's an offering unto the Lord. Let me just tell you, as a church, we always want to be a safe place and a, a good place for you to sow into and to, and to give to. We'll always open the books to you to show you if you're concerned about any of that. But I'm telling you, you give us unto the Lord. And uh, the tithe is that first tenth portion we bring to the Lord. And maybe you've been a tither and you go, my next step, God is asking you, is to become an offering giver beyond the tithe. That's when it's honestly really fun. Opportunities arise, and, it, and it's literally a matter of, God, how much do you want for this project or this church plant or this missions trip or this thing that we're doing at our church? Wherever you're at in your generosity, I'm just asking you for the next rest of the year, this last quarter of the year, say, God, what step do you want me to take? And then just take that step. Here's the simple part. Ask God and do what he says. Can I hear an amen, everybody? But thank you for being a generous church. I just, I pray for you in this and I pray for you in every area of devotion. I just imagine what kind of church could we be if everybody had robust prayer life, if everybody studied scripture, if everybody served on Dream Team? Could you imagine what we could do if everyone gave according to the will of God. I mean, how many churches could we start? How many ministries could we launch? How many orphans could we help and widows could we serve? Come on, somebody. Isn't that exciting to know? Amen. Let's grow in that this fall and be faithful to the Lord. Luke chapter 14. Come on, turn with me. We're going to finish our parable series. We're in the sixth week of this parable series. Has this been a blessing to anybody else in the church? Come on. I've loved preaching it. I've gotten a ton out of it. 
Uh, if you don't know this, I wrote a book called The Parable Church, and it came out uh, back in March. We've, we've had copies in the building. If you haven't gotten one of those, we have them for you. I think we have a few left available for free. Otherwise, you can get it online. And I encourage you to buy 20 copies for your family's Christmas. Anyway, um, I've f- kind of fallen in love with the teachings of the parables of Jesus. And it, it seems like an idea that we should have had in our purview for a long time. But truthfully, Jesus lived in a human culture. He lived in a, a, a time and a space, first century Roman occupied Israel, Middle East. And, and there was a culture that was prevalent there. But he went around preaching this other culture and introducing people to life in the kingdom of God, what it means to belong to Jesus and to live for Christ and, and to live for him and to belong to the family of God. And he, he introduced us to this other way of living through the parables. Depending on the list you follow, there's 37 parables. And let me just tell you something, every one of them has good news in it. Every one of the parables is exciting. It's inviting. I encourage you, uh, if you're not in a regular study rhythm right now of the scripture, spend the rest of this year reading the gospels over and over again. Read Matthew this week, Mark next week, Luke the next week, John the next week, and then repeat that cycle. Learn the stories of Jesus, learn the parables. And I'm telling you, you'll see the beauty of what it's like to belong to God and belong to his family. Amen, everybody? So we're in this parable called the parable of the great banquet. It's the, it's the, the, the final message in this parable series it's one of great excitement, great hope, also some great uh, rebuke there in, this, in the middle of the parable, but it's an amazing one to end the series on as we think about life in the family of God. Luke chapter 14, let me pray over it and we'll get into it. Lord, would you speak to us through the reading, the preaching, and the hearing of your word? We thank you that it's alive and it's active. This story was not arbitrary, God. It was meaningful, and that's why you gave it to us in Luke's gospel. So Lord, we pray that it, as, as we hear it, it would change transform us to the glory of Jesus. Amen. So Jesus in Luke 14 is invited to a dinner party on the Sabbath at the ruler of the Pharisee's house. So this context is important. It's a dinner party on Saturday night. So Sabbath would be sundown Friday till sundown Saturday evening. And he's invited to a dinner somewhere in the late afternoon, probably on Saturday or maybe Friday night. But Sabbath is important because it is the seventh day, and in the Jewish tradition, no work is to be done, only a day of rest and worship, and apparently dinner parties. But he's at a dinner party at the ruler of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the the leading group of the the Jewish tradition of the day. They, They managed the temple, the tabernacle. They managed all of the duties of the law, all of the keeping of the law. They managed the the altar of sacrifice, and they were the religious leaders of the day. So Jesus is in this dinner party on Sabbath at the ruler of the Pharisee's house. And by the way, the Pharisees hated Jesus. They couldn't stand him. They thought he was, uh, they thought he was a troublemaker. They wanted to trap him all the time. If you read through the Gospels, when you read through the Gospels, you'll see Jesus. They tried to trap him and ask him questions to get him trapped. They tried to stone him to death in the middle of the day. Um, in fact, they would be the leading group to offer Jesus up for crucifixion. Can you imagine Jesus getting the invite to this dinner? You know what I'm saying? Like on a Thursday, Peter walks up, hey man, a dude from the temple ran this letter over to you to be invited to dinner at that guy's house on Sabbath. I'm sure Jesus was going, this is not gonna be very fun. Have you ever been invited to a dinner party or a banquet that you weren't sure you wanted to go to? Have you ever been invited to a wedding that you knew the reception was gonna get crazy and you're like, I'm not sure I wanna go to that. A couple years ago, I was really honored. I got invited to the National Prayer Breakfast. A good friend of mine who works in D.C. invited me, put me on the list. And I'll never forget getting this invitation in the mail. It was in a FedEx envelope. 
Uh, so you rip it open and then it's in another envelope and it's really nice folded cardstock. All the lettering was like gold lettering and they spelled my name correctly. I was so thankful. And it was um, Michael R. Burnett Jr., you are cordially invited to the National Prayer Breakfast at the Hilton, Washington, D.C. at such and such time, such and such date, and then all these other details about, you know, security protocols and all this kind of stuff. It was such a cool invitation. Like, the invitation itself was awesome to get. I mean, that's a rare invite, you know what I'm saying? And, and I remember getting that invitation, and immediately I have questions like, who's going to be there? What kind of food are they going to serve? Now, I know when I throw a party, we chow, we chow down. Turns out government food is at the prayer breakfast too, you know what I'm saying? Like, some of y'all have had MREs for breakfast. I'm curious. I'm just wondering, like, what kind of food we're going to have? Then it's a prayer breakfast. I'm going, is this a Pentecostal prayer breakfast where they have a start time and no end time? Is this a Catholic prayer breakfast? Lots of standing, kneeling, num dum dums You know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not Catholic, and I don't... <laughs> LifePoint Church does not approve of all the uh, things Mike Burnett says at any time. Did y'all hear that disclaimer? I didn't know what kind of prayer breakfast it was going to be. I didn't know who was going to be in the audience. I didn't know. I knew the guy who invited me. I was very honored. It turned out to be a really cool event. I got to sit with a foreign dignitary, a leader from another nation. I mean, it was, it was a great event. But getting the invitation was not the same as going to the event. Getting the invitation was the first step. And I, I didn't, like, I was invited. I was, I was a guest of honor. I didn't like petition for this invite. But then once you get the invitation, you got to do the work to show up and make some arrangements. And Jesus is invited to this dinner, not knowing what it's going to be like. He's invited to this dinner on Sabbath and it's with people that can't stand him. And this is probably a pretty awkward, maybe even dangerous meal for him to participate in. But it turns into a great illustration of, of another dinner party. And that's what Jesus teaches in the parable of the great banquet. So Luke 14, we pick up and Jesus is now, by the way, he's in between traveling up to Jerusalem to be crucified between chapters nine and 19. And along the way, he has a dinner on a Saturday or Friday night of, uh, during Sabbath at a religious leader's home. When he walks in in 14, it says that he's uh, pretty observant. He, they're all watching him. So you know it's like a weird environment where as soon as you come in, everybody just watches you the whole time. They're eating while watching you eat. You know, like they're just staring at him the whole time. And he notices a man who has dropsy. Now, this is in modern uh, medicine, we would call it like an edema, like fluid buildup, maybe from kidney or liver failure or heart failure. He notices an illness, but it's Sabbath. So he asks, before, it's not his house, right? He's a guest. So he asks, like, is it okay if I heal this guy on the Sabbath, which is one of the rules you don't break, right? You don't do any work on the Sabbath. Now, you know, the guy who's sick is going, yes, it's okay if you heal me come on with that goodness right now, Jesus. You know, like he's just getting all charismatic in the room, right? And he's like, why are we praying about this? Let's go. He asks though, the head of the house in honor, he goes, is it okay if I heal this guy on the Sabbath? And they said nothing. Like, can you imagine Jesus? Like you would think this would turn the party up. You know what I'm saying? Like this would go from just a normal dinner party with a symphony to like a DJ party. We're, we're baptizing folks now. We're healing folks, right? They went from strings to the DJ. They said nothing. So Jesus heals the guy. And that guy's day got really good. You know what I'm saying? And the people, the religious leaders, are frustrated that he healed on the Sabbath. So he asks this question. He goes, well, how many of you, if you had a son, not even a son, an ox fall in a ditch on a Saturday, you're going to leave it there in the ditch till Monday, like Sunday morning? Sorry, Billy. 
Shalom Shabbat, man. You got to stay there and bleed out all night because it's the Sabbath. He's making a point like we're not going to observe these rules at the cost of caring for people, right? So that's his first conflict at a dinner party where he's the guest. It's already going awkward. Then he starts looking around the room in verse 7. It says he starts telling a parable to those who were invited. But then he noticed when he started telling this parable, it's almost like he interrupts himself because he noticed that they were choosing seats of honor. And he says to them, when you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the place of honor lest somebody more distinguished than you be invited. And, and then he who invited you both will come and say, hey, give up your seat because you're more of a loser than this guy's a winner, so give them your seat. He said, it's better when you're invited, go sit in the lowest place. Just humble yourself, be a wallflower, be a nobody, and humble yourself so that the host can come to you and say, hey, come sit up closer. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. So far, this dinner party is going terrible. I mean, Jesus broke a religious rule in the religious leader's house. He heals a guy, which was great for that dude. Now he's dissing the people for playing favorites at this dinner party. Why are you guys one up in each other? Why is this the, it's like the who's who and the, 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 the affluent and the, the, uh, the noticeable people of the culture and he goes, you guys, are, you guys think it's a, this is an impressive table. He goes, I'd rather all of you just humble yourselves and be nobodies and let God humble, exalt you. He says, those of you who are exalting yourselves, you think you're a big shot in this party, you'll actually be humbled. So I can just hear the trombone in this party going, wah, wah, wah. You know, Jesus is just killing the mood of the party. Well, that brings us to kind of how he sets up for the parable of the great banquet. He's invited, he critiques the, the host, he does miracles to those that hate miracles. He's basically teaching them to be humble, <laughs> which assumes that they're arrogant. Uh, he's pushing back on the religious establishment in the home of the religious leader. It's like a scene from a movie. It's like saying the right thing in the wrong place, right? It's like giving a, a speech about climate change at a monster truck rally. <laughs> he's just saying right things, but maybe those are things you would say on the camel ride home. You know what I'm saying? Like, did y'all notice? how cocky some of those people were. Could you believe how they were staring at me, healing somebody? But he just says it right in front of them. It's like being a PETA activist at the Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> he's saying right things, maybe that's not what I'm, but he's in the wrong environment. So this turns into a beautiful illustration for him to set up this parable. Even, even in the room with people who hate him, the religious leaders would be the one to crucify him and, and to want him imprisoned or silenced or dead. He ends up talking about this other banquet that's actually a better banquet. He's in a dining banquet and he goes, let me tell you about an amazing dinner party. That's how he sets it up. He goes, y'all think this dinner party's cool? You got the who's who and the, 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 the affluent and the influential people in this party. Let me tell you about a great dinner party. And he starts in verse 12 with the setup. He started telling a parable in verse seven, but he kind of interrupts himself by noticing the pecking order of the room. And then in verse 12, he says to the man who invited him, <laughs> I love Jesus. He says, when you give a dinner banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, which by the way, all of us want to do parties with our friends. He, he, his point is not to just disregard having parties with your friends. He's getting to a bigger issue here. Here's what he's saying. Don't just invite all the people of influence and affluence that will then turn around and invite you to their parties. In other words, don't just turn this into this big circular party circuit of like, we're all, look at us. We're kind of the, the social elites, the uppity ups. He says, when you, to the guy who invited him, the host, when you have a party, 
Don't just invite your friends, brothers, relatives, or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and then you be repaid. In other words, that's your reward. Okay, you had a party at Thanksgiving, they're inviting you to their Christmas party. What the heck is, like, what's the point? Then he says, instead, when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Now, he's not making a case for medically indigent people here. What he's saying is he's making a case that they make room for the outsider in their parties. For the religious leaders, to invite the poor is to invite the people that God hasn't blessed. To invite the lame and the crippled, those are people who got there by some choices of their own or maybe the choices of their parents. And the religious leaders are going, we've got stuff figured out. Look how blessed we are. Why would we want to hang around unblessed people? Look how wealthy we are. Look how prominent we are. Why would we have the the lowest, the outcasts of society? Because we don't want that to rub off on us. And the religious leaders of the day of the Jewish temple knew the difference in clean and unclean. And Jesus is saying, throw out the list of clean invitees and open your list to the unclean. You got to know the Pharisees are like, their stomachs are turning at the thought of this. And it's at the Pharisee's house. Jesus says, hey, next time you throw a party, scrap this list of yuck, yuppies and get some poor people in here. Get some crippled and lame people in here. Get some people that don't look like you, vote like you, believe like you, practice their religion like you. Get some people that are other than you in your party. Um, I'm just going to tell you, the Pharisees just hated him more for this. But can I just pause and ask you, and I'm not trying to tell you to disrupt your Christmas party list, you know what I'm saying? I, I don't think that's his point. His point is, who are the others in your life that you refuse to do life with? Who are the others that you don't want to worship with, you don't want to go to schools with, you don't want your kids hanging around? Who are the others in your life that maybe Jesus is using this this banquet story to challenge you to make room in your life for them. It's a pretty gutsy move at the dinner party of the leader of the Pharisees to look that guy in the face and say, this party's lame. You guys have chosen religion over righteousness. Can't heal a guy on the Sabbath. Are you kidding me? You guys have chosen people over godliness. He's like, this party's lame. So I think what Jesus does is really brilliant. He takes this party and turns it into an analogy to tell them about a better party. He goes, you think this is a cool party? You ever been in a party and you're like, oh, you don't know how to party. Let me tell you how we party. You know what I'm saying? Like, he goes, let me tell you about another party. And he starts by talking about, he starts to try to introduce this new banquet. And he starts with this idea that the best banquet has an open invitation. An open invitation. So he started with this parable, right? He's tried a couple of times to get in this parable. He says, invite the worst, invite the outcast. And when one of the people who reclined at the table, probably a Pharisee or a lawyer of the law, had heard Jesus saying these things, he says to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread, who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm just going to interpret this a little better for us. The Pharisee attitude would have sounded a little bit more like this. Blessed is every one of us who will eat one day bread in the kingdom of our God. That's the attitude that this would have come across. If you know the Pharisees at all, they very much had this exclusive right to God thing. They had this attitude that we were the only ones that pleased God. We're kosher, we're rigid, we're clean, we're wealthy, we're powerful. Look how blessed we are. Blessed is every one of us who will eat bread in the kingdom of our God one day. So a couple of, like if you read this at first, you're like, yes, that's right. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread 
in the kingdom. But if the attitude is blessed is everyone who votes and dances and dates and, and, and believes like us, blessed is everyone of our brand who will be a part of the kingdom of our God in our heaven one day, that's a wrong attitude. And it's why Jesus goes into the parable the way he does. See, I'm sure Jesus would have agreed, yes, it's true that those people are blessed, but you're not the only people that are going to be there. You're not the only people that will be at the banquet. By the way, the other problem with this statement, and it's hard to see if you read it too fast, this Pharisee at the table says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread. He's talking in a future, not in a present. He's talking about a kingdom after this earth, and Jesus wants to introduce a kingdom that's a part of this life. See, when Jesus taught us to pray, right, Matthew 6, he said, you pray, our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done now on earth as it is in heaven. Titus 2 says, the grace of God has appeared, teaching us to live upright and godly lives in this present age. Look at me, church. The banquet that Jesus is about to introduce us to is not just a banquet for the afterlife. It's a banquet called the Christian life. The Pharisee had it wrong by saying, blessed will be everyone who eats in that day. And Jesus is going to say, no, blessed is everyone who eats the banquet of the kingdom in this day too. How many of you know the Christian life is a now life? Can I hear an amen? So then he starts his parable in verse 16. Here he goes. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many people. Already the Pharisees are frustrated. No, 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 no. This is exclusive. We are the children of Abraham. We are the sons of Issachar. We are the people from the tribes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is our invitation. And Jesus is going, I'm going to tell you about a better party. I'm going to tell you about a better banquet. And this master is going to invite all kinds of people. I just want to tell you on the front end, many of us know that someday we're going to enjoy the greatest party ever in the Lord's presence in heaven. But I think we need to realize that we can live that banquet life as a Christian today. Like when you leave this service today, that you can live the amazing life of a guest of the banquet of God Almighty today. The irony of the Pharisee, the truth was that it is blessed to live in this life. The fallacy that they brought is that they thought they were the only ones coming. But Jesus is going to say, man, it's going to be an invitation to all kinds of people. In fact, I believe the invitation of God is for the entire world to be invited into the great banquet of the family of God. Jesus says that the kingdom banquet is going to be loaded with so many people. And many of them will be people that you and I may not expect. How many of you know you're going to get to heaven one day and be like, they let you in here? And they're going to look at you and go, and they let you in here too, huh? How many of you know God's grace and mercy and ability to forgive is way better than our ability to judge people? Come on. There's going to be people that God is... Now, listen, I'm not trying to be a universalist here. I'm trying to be an exclusivist. People say, you know, Christianity is so narrow-minded. No, we're single-minded. Jesus is the only way. He's the ticket to get into the banquet. He's the only way to get into the Father's banquet. But the ticket has been given for the entire world. It's an expansive and an inclusive invite, but an exclusive party. There's only one way to God, and it's through Jesus. I didn't write that gospel. God wrote that. He is the only way. He's the only eternal life. He is the only truth and way to God, period. People say Christianity is narrow-minded and exclusive. It's exclusively open-minded and exclusively inclusive at the same time. Jesus is the only way to God. He's the only ticket to this party. But it's an inclusive invite that everyone in the world gets an invitation to. But not everyone will take their invitation. Not everyone will come to the party. 
That's not on God. That's because he loves us enough to give us a free will. Listen, the banquet is the Lord's invitation. He's excited to have an open invite to anyone and everyone. He's telling the parable. There's a man who threw a great banquet. Y'all call this a banquet? It's not even, meh. It's all right, but it's not great. And you got to realize the banquet, is an, it's an invitation to the kingdom of God. So that means the man who throws the banquet is who? It's the Lord. This is a great banquet. Can I tell you something? I need us to have a bigger view of who's invited to the banquet. I need us as a church to be okay with people who don't look like us or date like us or vote like us or believe like us. We say anybody is welcome at LifePoint Church to have their lives changed by Jesus. I'm telling you, if it weren't for Christ, you and I wouldn't have been transformed. Can I hear an amen? Anybody is welcome at our church to have their lives transformed by Jesus, but it's, it's a party about Jesus. And I'm telling you, if we'll invite everyone, like if we'll in, invite, just make the invitation clear, anybody's welcome. God is gonna be at the party. God is gonna be in the life of that person and God's gonna be the one to change their lives. This is not us becoming universalist. This is us becoming like exclusively Christian, but realizing that the invitation to the Christian life is for everybody. This banquet is the Lord's invitation. He's excited to have an open invite to anyone and everyone. But in order to get in, listen to me, in order to get into the party, you got to show the invitation. You got to show up. You can't just zoom in or send your buddy in your stead. It's not enough to just be invited. You got to show up. And don't be late. You know, when I got that invite to the prayer breakfast, it was the coolest invitation I've received. I mean, it felt so official. I felt like I was on like FBI watch list radar now. My name got a DC invitation. I got to go to the White House once and they did a body scan I'd never experienced before. That was all kind of crazy. See through my hands when they're doing it. Where was I going with that? <laughs> got distracted with my matrix hands. Thank you, yes. The invitation had time, location. And it even said like, be on time. We will start promptly on time. Well, I had to go get a flight. I had to look up my schedule with my wife and then my job. I had to make adjustments. I had things scheduled that I had to move. I had to get a hotel room. I had to book a flight. I had to go buy a suit because I had outgrown all the suits I owned. Don't judge me. It was in my 30s. I went and bought a brand new suit for this breakfast. And I had to make preparations to get there. But you know what? All those preparations, bought the flight, bought the room, got the suit, was nothing I didn't go to the breakfast. And I'm here to tell you that a lot of us have been given the invitation to follow Jesus. We've even believed the party's going on. We want the party, but we make excuses. You know what? Some things came up. You know what? I don't know how I feel about who's going to be at the banquet. You know what? I'm just busy. Hey, I don't want to spend the money on the suit. We just make excuses for not coming into the banquet called the Christian life. And that's what happened in this story. So this, the parable goes on. A man has a great banquet and he invited many. And at the time, verse 17, they start giving their excuses. Watch this. At the time for the banquet, so in other words, when it was banquet time. So the, the invite said 5.30 on a Friday night. So it's 5.30 on a Friday night. Probably five o'clock because, you know, on time is early. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come on, for everything is now ready. 
Can I just pause and tell you, again, the great banquet is a Christian life. Look at me, church. Every part of the Christian life is now ready for you. At the time of hearing this, they were waiting on the death and resurrection of Jesus, but we're past that. And I'm telling you, everything for the banquet of the Christian life is now ready for all of you. Everything is now available. You don't have to wait anymore. You don't have to put it off. God has made everything available to you. Let me be very clear. Jesus Christ came to this earth, gave his life on a cross, died, rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and has gifted us the opportunity to have eternal afterlife and eternal living. The banquet is now coming. It's going. It's running right now. The time is now. Everything is now ready. There's no reason for delay. None of you have been uninvited. Jesus keeps the invitation open. Now watch. They all began to make excuses. Have you ever offered a party? You ever get meal, food? You go to the grocery store, you get it catered or whatever. You have this big event and you got a list of 50 people that say they're coming and 20 of them the morning of go, man, something came up. I am so sorry, but I just can't make it. The day of the party, the servants go out. Hey, everybody, party time. One by one, they all began to make excuses. Hey, now listen, I'm going to step on your toes for a second. The first person said to the servant, man, I just bought a field and I need to go look at it. <laughs> what? I mean, didn't you look at it before you bought it? You know what I'm saying? So then he goes, please have me excused. You ever heard lame excuses for like anything in your life, right? Okay. That's lame. Uh, the second one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, which would be 10 ox, yoke, oxen yoked together in pairs of five. I just bought five yoke of, oaks, yoke of ox, oxen. I bought five. <laughs> I just bought 10 ox, oxens, oxes. I just bought a bunch of big old man cows and I have to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, now this one at least makes sense. I just got married. I'm going on my honeymoon. But again, a dude blaming this woman. He got, look at this, this woman you gave me. Terrible. Everyone was invited ahead of time. Everyone presumably received the invitation. Here's what Jesus is saying. I want to tell you about a better party. It's an open invite list. And there's going to be a lot of people that get the invite in the mail. They're going to RSVP to this thing. And the, Lord, the master is going to make plans according to your RSVP. I'm coming. He's going to get the catering right. He's going to get the band right. He's going to get all the chairs and the tables and the cloths and everything ready for your coming because you said you're coming. And when it's time to go, we're going to make excuses. Church, this is what Christians do all the time. I want to be in the banquet, man. I'm just busy. I want to do the Christian thing. I believe in God. I even got the invitation. It's right here. I got the whole invite, the whole story. Gee, I got it. But man... My kids got travel soccer this weekend. Oh, man, I'd love to spend time in prayer like you do, Pastor. You're the professional Christian. I just don't have any time in my schedule. Man, I would be glad to serve on a dream team, but I just don't know where I'd fit. And really, Sundays are my only day to myself. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just projecting. I've been in ministry over 20 years. I've heard every excuse. I've heard, thank you, I am. I've heard every <laughs> excuse. As a pastor, I'm too busy. I can't afford it. My kids got travel ball. Well, my wife doesn't, you know, she doesn't get what we're doing. You know, I've heard everything. Blaming others, just, and, and here's what's interesting. All three of these people gave actually normal excuses. They're not like sinful. 
It's not like I'll be pillaging villages that day, murdering entire civilizations. They're like, I got work to do. I got family. I just got married, man. Can I go on my honeymoon? How many of you would hate, like, if Jesus came back 30 minutes after your wedding? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. <laughs> Sorry. I just, whew. I'm saying that'd be a little frustrating. You think Jesus would be like, I'll be back in 20 minutes. You go on here, you know, like, I'm so sorry. They all gave good excuses. Like they're normal. I got work to do, man. I'm, I'm busy with work. Listen, I'm busy with work. I'm busy with my new family. But here's something I got to help you understand. This banquet is ready now. This banquet is going on in spite of your excuses. And here's what none of them got to do. None of them got to bring their excuse to the banquet. The guy, like the host didn't say, just bring your ox with you. We'll make room. You know what? We'll just put up some stalls and we'll put some oxen out there. We'll just bring your excuse with you. And the host also didn't say, let's delay this party two weeks. You know what? You're busy. I get it. My bad. I'm sorry I spent all this money, effort, energy, killed the calf, hired the band. I got DJ Jazzy Jeff on the turntables. I mean, I'm so sorry that I inconvenienced your life with this great expense called the greatest banquet you've ever seen in your life. You're, let's redo this in two weeks. I've just been pastoring a long time and we, you gotta remember what the banquet is. It's the Christian life. But we say things like this, man, I'd love to serve, but I don't have time. My schedule's crazy. My kids have sports. Man, I just, I don't understand it all. I, I'd lead a small group, but I don't know enough Bible. Are you kidding? I don't know enough Bible, and y'all let me pastor this thing. We've just got too much going on. I can't afford to be generous. I just bought a boat. Hey, I don't have a problem with you having a boat. Jesus had a boat. And when he didn't have a boat, he just walked on water. You know what I'm saying? So, haha, he don't care about your boat. It's when the boat, it's when the schedule, it's when the kids sports, it's when the overwork becomes our excuse to go, God, I know the party's going, and I want to be in the banquet. I want to be in the Christian life. I want to be living for you. Man, I'm just busy. Because this party's going on with or without you. You have an invite, but you got to show up. You got to show up. You got to get in your prayer closet. You got to say no to some things to say yes to this party. Y'all hear what I'm saying? You got to say no to some sin to say yes to some righteousness. You got to say no to some Saturday travel stuff and some weekend soccer to say yes to serving your church and putting the gospel ahead of your family. We have to decide if we want to be a part of God's great banquet, the Christian life, will we accept his invitation and will we stop making excuses? I'm here. To, I just feel really burdened to say this to our church. The time of making excuses is over. We saw this last week in the parable of the 10 virgins or bridesmaids. There is a time coming when the Lord will return or your life will expire. Will you be found ready and prepared for the coming of the son of God? And frankly, God's not going to be like, you know, let me come back in a week. You get all your stuff tied up and all your loose ends wrapped up and I'll be back for you. We are to live ready and prepared and in the banquet of the King of Kings. The party is going and you have an invite. Let's show up and stop making excuses. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to like to push you. You're like, well, that's really strong. That's right. I, I, some pastors would never say these kind of things because they're too afraid of offending their people. I'm not afraid of offending you into better Christianity. 
I'm not afraid of you at all. I don't even work for you. I work for God. And I feel like he gave us this word first. He said it in a Pharisee's living room. I'm willing to say it to you because I love you. Stop making excuses. I work too much. I can't afford it. My kids are busy. Blah, 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 blah. I'm burned out. Are you kidding me? Let's live passionately for God. You don't have to live perfect for God. Just live passionately for God. Build a prayer life. Read your Bible. Do what it says. Go to church. Raise your kids in church. Tell your kids to turn off the screen and open a Bible. Teach your kids to love God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Anybody? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching. Then he goes on to say, the master gets ticked because of those excuses. I mean, what an insult, you know? He did all this work to provide a banquet. By the way, this is the good news. This banquet that I'm inviting you to, the Christian life, you don't have to do any work to set it up. All you got to do is show up. That's the beauty of the Christian faith. You just show up, and God's the host. He'll change you. He'll mess with you. He'll transform your life. You start hanging with the Lord, staying in the banquet. You ever go to a party and you just don't want to leave? You just want to hang out as long as possible? That's the Christian life. And as you stay there with the host, with the Lord, he's going to change you. But then these people are giving excuses. I bought some ox. I bought a field. I got a wife. So the servants came and told the master all that had happened. And look at this. He got super angry. I, that's frustrating. You ever plan a Thanksgiving and your family just don't show up? I mean, it's frustrating. And he says to his servants, fine, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes or the alleyways. Basically, he's like, go find street people. Now, remember his audience, these Pharisees. He goes, go find, here it is again, the poor, the crippled. Oh, the Pharisees are just, their stomachs are turning. Who would do life with those people? Jesus is saying, we're going to have a party. And by the way, these folks can probably get down anyway because y'all too stuffy. The poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Go get them. And then I love what the servant says. Look, he comes back, and he says, Sir, I've done all that you've commanded, and still there is room. Man, one of the biggest complaints we have in the church, well, I can't go to a big church, there's no room for it. There's always going to be room in the body of Christ. There's never going to be too many Christians. We're never going to fill up heaven enough. There's always more room for people to come to the party that the house of God may be filled. So he says, okay, I'm going to the streets and the lanes and the alleys. I'm going to get these poor folks and folks that can do nothing for us. We're going to invite them in. And he comes to the master and goes, there's still more room. We got way more food than we have people. He goes, fine, go out in the suburbs and get out on the bushes, get out the highways and hedges and compel people to come. You ever go somewhere and like they're, they're giving away free stuff in the middle of downtown? Hey, would you like a $100 gift card to Starbucks? Of course. Come to this timeshare. No, thanks. All right. Bad example. But like, have you ever been to a place where they're just inviting you to come have free stuff? Come try the, the sample people in the mall food court, best in the world. Try this chicken. Yes, I will every time. Compel them to come. There's a huge feast. And look what the master says. Go to the highways and hedges. Compel them to come. That my house, that's the heart of the, the father. He wants his house full. He didn't throw a party and put Jesus on a cross and raise him from the dead to have 25 people at his house. The Lord wants a full house. And I love that Jesus is teaching these religious people who thought they were the ones on the invite list. No, no, no. It's the others. It's the poor, the crippled, the lame, the addict. It's the ones on the streets and out in the rural areas, the 
hillbillies, the homeless. I love this, man. God has a kingdom that's big, it's beautiful, it's diverse, it's very wide. And he's made room in his kingdom because of what Jesus did. That's the ticket. That's the invitation. And all sorts of people can find their way to God through the ticket and the invitation of Christ on the cross and him resurrected. He makes room for the atheist, the agnostic, the sexually immoral, the thief, the Muslim, the Jew, the terrorist, the Buddhist, the Mormon, the Jehovah's Witness, the Republican, the Democrat, the social activist, the alcoholic, the addict, the abuser, the abused, the pastor. He makes room for all of us at this great banquet. Here's what I love about this party. The Lord will be there too. Can we trust that if God can get them in his party, he'll change their lives? Can we just trust? Like if we just invite them, compel people to come to his party, he'll change their lives. Like I didn't have to change my life before becoming a Christian. The old illustration I've heard forever is you don't clean a fish before you catch it. And many of us think, well, those people cannot come into the house of God until they get their lives right. That's not the way this party works. Get them in. The host will clean them up. Get them in. God will change their lives. We have to compel people to come to the house of God, to the family of God. Have you invited these people into your small group? Have you invited them into your life to know the God that you say you love? It's a big party, but the Father's going to be there. And I'm telling you, if we can just get people to the Father's house, to the Lord's party, to the banquet of Christian living, I'm telling you, God will change their lives. And I love what he said. There is still room. Don't be like a Pharisee who would have turned away those outsiders. I would never go to church with that type of person. I'll never have them in my small group. I don't care if they go rotten hell. I've literally heard Christians say, they can burn in a sinner's hell. You need to meet Jesus. Because the heart of God is for the broken, the missing. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. I didn't come for the found, I came for the lost, which, by the way, is all of us. Even those stuffy religious leaders were as lost as the people on the street. See, whether you're lost in sin or lost in religion, you're still lost. The only ticket, the only way to God is through a life with Jesus. That's the banquet, the Christian life. So listen, we invite people, God convicts people, and they need to respond to the invitation. When's the last time you've invited someone to know Jesus? When's the last time you've invited anybody to your church to hear about Jesus? Our job is to, comp- we're the servants in the parable. We're to compel people to come. We're, like, forget the, the, the good list. Go after anyone that would come. Man, there is food at this house. There's great music at this party. The, invite them to the Christian life, the banquet of the Father. Here's what he says finally in verse 24. It's like he comes out of the parable, and it's almost a little haunting. He says, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Go back to the parable. A man throws a huge party. He invites a bunch of people. They RSVP. They were invited. And they weren't ever uninvited. They just excused themselves and chose not to come. So the reason they can't taste his banquet is not because they were uninvited, because they opted out. 
you know, to go to that prayer breakfast and sit at that table and eat that food and hear the speakers and pray. I had to actually show up. It was the coolest experience, sitting with my friend, learning, just watching all this. But all the prep work and all the invites sent and all the money spent to put it on meant nothing for me if I didn't show up. And I'm going to ask you, have you really showed up to this Christian experience? Have you really showed up to the great banquet of life as a follower of Jesus? Are you still giving lame excuses? I mean, I hate to call it like that, but it's what it is. I've been serving God for 25 years. I've been in ministry for 20. I've had other careers. I've done other things. I've been in school. I'm a dad. I'm a parent. I'm busy. I get it. But like none of that is a reason to not show up with God every day, to not spend time with the Lord, the host of this great banquet called Christianity. I get busy. I get pulled in different directions. I even get doubt and misunderstanding. But all of those are excuses. Have you really showed up to this banquet? Have you really showed up to life with Jesus every day? Man, the cross of Christ, his death and resurrection is the greatest invite you've ever been hand-delivered. We all have excuses, reasons to wait or delay our coming to the Lord. But I'm telling you, that party's going right now. So I wanna give you some next steps for you. And also I wanna challenge you to invite others into this banquet. Not just invite them to church, that's a great step, but I mean invite them to Jesus. Man, have you met the Lord? That's one of the weirdest questions to ask somebody. When they start talking about religion or their view of God, just ask them this, say, have you actually met Jesus? Not have you met his followers, because they can really mess with you. Have you ever met the church? No, no, that's kind of different shades. Have you met Jesus? When's the last time you invited somebody? That's the banquet, it's Jesus. And those who refuse to come in will be the ones who don't get to taste. So I wanna challenge you to once again confess your need for Jesus. Confess your need for a life sold out and dedicated and all in with him. You don't need to be perfect, just be persistent. Just be pursuing the Lord. Show up, give your life to God. Like this is an everyday thing. I talked about it last week, like our devotion is what we want, but discipline is what we do to get to the thing that we want. You gotta put some discipline and some grit in this thing. You gotta show up. Maybe set your alarm for a different time. Put it on your calendar. Make it a budget item for your calendar or your money or your your time for the week. Man, show up and give your life to Jesus. Commit to the party. And this is a party that don't end at two in the morning. Quit making excuses and go all in. Listen to me. Serve God. Know God. Serve his church. Give generously. Be in small groups, disciple somebody and let somebody disciple you. Learn the word, build a prayer life. This is the banquet. The Christian life is the best life. I'm telling you, it's the best life and it's the only eternal life. Eternal life starts now. So I wanna encourage you, basic things you can do, get in a small group. This is what we have to offer, but like you don't need to do it through LifePoint. Wherever you are, get in a small group. Go through a next steps class. Read your Bible every day. Pray, spend time with God. Next Sunday, we're baptizing. Water baptism, go public with your faith. Join the party, go to the banquet. Be all in. Can I hear a big amen, everybody? Did y'all get anything out of this message today? The great banquet. And the last thing is I want you, I want you to show up every day to this life with Christ. Show up to the banquet. 
get in your prayer closet, all that. And I also want you to compel others to come to this banquet too. This is the greatest party there is. It's the greatest life to live is a life with Jesus. And those who reject it, those who don't accept the invitation will not taste of the banquet. You know why people don't understand Christ? Because they're not hanging out with Jesus. Because they're not doing life with Jesus Christ. So invite them to that. Lord, would you help us to hear your word today? Be transformed by your word today. God, help us to be compelled by the reading and preaching of your gospel. This parable is so powerful and profound. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name that you would draw us closer to you. Lead us to your heart. Lord, we're so grateful for this parable, the teaching of the great banquet. Lord, we believe this great banquet is the life of a Christian. That we get to show up every day and enjoy this life with you. Lord, we repent of our excuses, ways we don't want to serve the church, ways we don't want to serve Jesus, ways we don't want to spend time with you. We, we just confess those things. We lay them at your feet and we repent of them today. In Jesus' name. Everybody pray this with me. Come on, pray it out loud and mean it. Like say it like you're just declaring something to the devil today. You just kick Satan in the face and just go all in with God. Everybody say this. Say, God, I'm all in. Say, I believe in Jesus, that he died for me, he resurrected for me, so I can live my whole life on mission and on purpose for Jesus Christ for the rest of my days. Say, I'm all in. I want to live for you. I want to walk with you. I want to be in the banquet for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. Now say this, say, help me, Holy Spirit, to stay put at the master's banquet, to be more like you, to be closer to you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you believe it, would you say amen? Those online, I love you. God bless you.